Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lift Deep podcast, brought to you by Hunt Lift Deep Official. We're here at the homestead, in real life, with real people, (laughs) yeah, in Georgia, with two of my favorite people. What's going on, guys? Not much. Had Had a good weekend down here. Garrett's on the East Coast for the men's and women's rendezvous. We did women's last weekend, men's is this coming weekend. And he had some time, so he's been vagabonding around doing some electrical jobs for the boys. <laughs> and then I flew back out from Louisiana, and the three of us and Colt Hours went out to check out the shotgun venue for our shotgun shoot, our first ever forward-facing uh, hunt lift eat event, which is going to be really cool. If you guys are going to be around the North Georgia area March 23rd, definitely come check it out shoot some clays and eat some food and hang out with some cool people. Skeet them and eat them. Rack them and schwack them. Yeah, skeeting and eating was my initial plan, but Carter <laughs> Carter vetoed that one, so it's, it's rack them and schwack them is the name of the event now, <laughs> which is also pretty good. It's no, it's no skeeting and eating. I'm not but. pitching that to sponsors. <laughs> yeah, if anybody's interested in coming on as a sponsor, we've got some sponsorship packages, so just hit us up. Slide into Carter's uh, DMs or hit him up at Carter at HuntLiftEat.com. I won't read your email. Just he, kidding, I'll read it. He probably won't. It'll he take won't. him two weeks. Actually, I feel like Robin would probably read your email before you would. That's true. Yeah, would love to people come check it out. It's on the. Uh, you can sign up on the website, HuntLiftEat.com. Yeah, uh, March 23rd. March 23rd. Cool. Well, let's, we're... Here to recap part three of our final part epic saga of Colorado fourth rifle elk and mule deer. I hate elk hunting. Yeah, I don't think they're. I don't think they exist. I think we saw them, but I think they're all fucking government planted robots, unicorns. It's like those DNR plants that they (laughs) to get poachers to shoot in the field. Yeah, (laughs) that's what they were doing. But I bet these guys are dumb enough to shoot some cows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but yeah, so kind of catch us back up. Well, we got through day three on the last one. Um, so the next morning, John and Garrett, their their game plan is they're going to wake up at 2.30, 3, 3 o'clock in the morning. They're going to go head back up the mountain where we had been the day prior and try to get on those bulls that they they spotted and then my plan was i was gonna hunt a different piece so the first day that carter and i and cole went up and we were glassing into that basin i glassed the back side of that ridge line and saw there's a bunch of blm ground down there and i was like that looks really deary and then tim the owner of the outfit was like oh yeah you got to go down there and just walk these you know two track blm roads that go straight up the mountain but I was like, yeah, that sounds like a plan. So I that, thought it looked steep at first. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too bad. Deary was a second yeah. describing word. Yeah, it, it was definitely, there's some steep parts. But we, so our plan was to go walk that until uh, about noon, and then we were going to come back down. You were going to leave, and then I was going to road hunt with Tim. as like the last-ditch effort because Tim just has the ability to see these things. And so we're going to drive the two tracks on the private and then try to see if we could find a buck. And a couple big old bucks have been spotted already by yep. other guys in camp who didn't have deer tags. So we knew there was a, 
a potential 160 running around that had been sighted three times. Yep. You were the only one in camp with a buck tag, right? Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and so, why don't you pick us up where... Uh, <laughs> your your oh, baton <laughs> that, death uh, march. That was an interesting day for sure. Uh, John and I, kind of like you said, we planned to get up at 3, 3.30. Uh, we got in the truck, drove up there, got to our parking spot. But um, <clears throat> we... Hey, when John's alarm went off, I was, I was like, ugh. It was rough. It was rough. I was his alarm. We I woke true. up early and I woke him up seven minutes before his alarm and he was pissed. <laughs> yeah, that uh that storm came in pretty bad that night. Uh when we drove up there, it was just pounding snow on us still. So we parked the truck. Um and then we said we're gonna take an hour and a half nap here because this is miserable. Did it's you guys only drive to where the tent was? Yeah. Yeah, we went uh went back to that spot. Got ready to hike in, and um, we thought it was only about a mile, mile and a half to where we wanted to sit to glass, and that was going to be perfect. And it was only about a mile, mile and a half, but about halfway up, John just looks at me and goes, "I don't really feel good." Yeah. And he's been ki- he'd been kind of like going real hard all week, anyways. Kind of, I think he was a little bit dehydrated, probably having some altitude sickness issues. So he turned back and ended up hiking all the way back to camp and left me the truck even. Um, it's a lot for him to turn back. He he was beating himself up pretty bad over yeah. it. And like, we probably sat there and talked for 30 minutes, and he was just like, dude, I, I don't want to put myself in a bad situation out here. And like, wasn't exactly ideal. It was still pounding snow. I probably, like hindsight, I had no business staying out there myself. Alone. And yeah, especially alone. It just snow all day wet heavy snow and i don't know i didn't see any elk anyways (laughs) (laughs) yeah we saw that big herd and we were like we're gonna get on them next morning no problem and i guess it was right where they were at i hiked all the way in there and uh ryan ryan later that day he was like oh yeah i went and glassed that whole area and they were about a thousand feet below you and maybe another quarter mile over and there was like five ten minute window that he was able to he was able to look over into that and see him and it was so socked in all day I couldn't yeah. see anything I mean I, my visibility was maybe fifty to a hundred feet max and so you were just hoping to run into him like that's yeah, your only yeah. option at that point yeah <clears throat> find tracks and maybe be able to follow him through it because if right. any tracks that you find in that kind of snow they got to be fresh but. Mostly I was hoping for a clear window when I was just kind of in the right place at the right time and trying to sit sit through that kind of a snowstorm just out there by yourself is uh, it's a lot to handle. Yeah. And I knew you guys were all leaving that afternoon. and Yeah, I was real nervous about driving back to Denver with how much snow was coming in. Mm-hmm. And accidents on the way in, and if that highway yeah. was shut down, it's not a... I mean, it took us nine hours to get from the springs to where we were going. And yeah, it's not a been great a four and a half, five hour drive. Not a great drive, especially at night, being unfamiliar, driving on snow. I was very clearly nervous about it, so I was wanted to leave before dark. Cole went to the glassing pad to see if he could watch you go smoke one. Yeah, and like you said, it was just you can't, you couldn't. The visibility was zero. It would come in spurts. It would clear up. Classic Colorado. 
clear, clear clear as day bluebird skies for 30 seconds and you're like oh yeah heck yeah like we're in business and then the veil would come back it's crazy how fast it would lift and then come back down and like you'd immediately just had to like take advantage of those glass and windows and see what you could see which wasn't a whole lot no it was not so john moves back you're wandering around the mountains going on a hot snow hike. <laughs> Taking my rifle for a nice post-holy walk. <laughs> All day. All day. I didn't get back till... 2 a.m. till 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Like dark, dark. Yeah. I, I hunted my way out at about 2 p.m. I finally was like, okay, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to start working my way back to the truck and... Sweat my balls off the whole day. I, I had no problem being cold. I, would, I had a problem being hot all yeah. day. It was just work. And in that wet snow, that's dangerous. Yeah, and that, can be. that was the issue that we were running into, too, is it wasn't that cold. Like, the snow was piling up, and it was thickening a lot. It was super wet, but the ground wasn't freezing. Because mm-hmm. um, we were low. We dropped down to 60, 68. 68, 62 at one point, and then we climbed back up we have to go up to come down or whatever the fuck you said um so we drop down we drive down the main kind of the main road in which is you know main road is a relative term <laughs> drop down there's this little access road that goes up into the blm and and road is also a relative term <laughs> it's a two-track <laughs> that you could not take a vehicle on. Maybe a side-by-side, but even in this snow, I would not want to. So we're walking it, and Carter and I talked before we went out there. It was like, all right, we're going to go real slow, like try to manage our temperature, not get hot, and you know, be ready to see a deer because that area looked like there was a lot of deer there. Tim has said they've killed a lot of deer in there in years past and just, you know, walk that road. And then we were going to walk around. Then you climb back up and then you can glass into a bunch of bottom areas. And so that was kind of the game plan for the day. And then if we didn't see anything or get into anything, we we're going to hunt our way back. And then Carter was going to leave and I was going to cruise the, the property with Tim and try to smoke that big boy. So we start moving. We got to sleep in, which was nice. Yeah, because there's no point in getting out there until, I mean, I didn't sleep in, but I woke up with John. <laughs> right. Well, we didn't have to get up. And yeah, we didn't. Get yeah, we could be stuff. slow in the morning, drink coffee, hang out in the lodge. Like it was kind of nice, actually, because like, and then the sun even came up. It was like seven thirty, and I was like, it's too foggy. We can't, can't even see anything. anything. Like, let's let the sun get higher, and cause there's no point in trying to walk this two track and still hunt if we can't see. So, yeah, it was nice to have that slower pace for sure. Yeah, and I wanted to do one last. I had really bad FOMO not going with Garrett and John. Well, you really wanted to. I wanted to bad. That your plan was initially, and I was like, I was like, buddy, like by the time you get out there, if you're trying to leave when you want to leave, trying to do like a little time distance analysis, it's like you're only gonna realistically get out there and hunt for like an hour. It would not have made sense. You're gonna have to turn around and walk back by yourself. Yeah. But I was stoked we got to do one more challenging yeah it was physical activity rather well, than just sitting in class and kind of well that was the guides were kind of like yeah your best bet's probably just to hunt the roads tomorrow and i was like and I, i'm not above shooting one i rode you know rolling around on one of the four by fours and like jumping out and taking a shot like I, I've, I've done that before i would do it but to me if we didn't kill anything and we i waited around 
till 10 a.m., you know, like for them to get back from dropping all the clients off, then I would feel like I wasted that day versus if we go out and we actually hunt and then I don't get anything. Well, we, we were still hunting. Yeah. So that was like kind of I was just really pushed to go do that in the morning and timed out well for you, too, because like you could at least get after it and do some hunting. Right. And there was a chance we saw some elk down in there. You know, Tim said there's there's been elk. So um, we we start moving up. And we're taking our time, good pace, slow, stopping, airing out, trying to not sweat too much because it is straight up through mud and snow. And so it's you're putting some work in to get up there. And um, we're doing a pretty good job of trying to, you know, move quiet, move slow, still hunting in. We're not playing grab ass like we sometimes do. <laughs> <laughs> and why don't you uh, take it from – when we kind of crest that one little IV line into the where the power line was. Yeah, we were. I was slipping and sliding on my my boot skis. Yeah. Because that ground wasn't frozen, which made it a little more challenging to get up that vertical. But luckily that snow is good to hike in. And we crest this IV line, and it opens up into this beautiful – I've been calling it a meadow. It's not a meadow. It's a, a tenth of what a meadow yeah. – whatever you're picturing in your head for a meadow, it's about a tenth the size of that. <laughs> maybe 100 yards long yeah. football field kind of thing, opening in this very thick side of this mountain, and it's like a shelf, right? And we kind of crest this line, and we can see this. It's the first time we can see a good distance. <clears throat> and I'm in front of Luke, and I'm not – I had already taken myself out of the game. I wasn't like the shooter at that point in time. I was just hiking with Luke. You know, serving my penance one last hunt before I leave a day early kind of thing. <clears throat> and I should have been either next to you or behind you, but we're just trudging our way along. And I stop, and Luke stops. And uh, I was like, dear, dear, dear. And I just I saw some brown shapes at the end of the this opening. I saw this deer coming out directly towards us. Like she was on a rope walking towards us, coming out of this thick, dark trees. It was so cool. And she just, like, lit up because everything's covered in snow. The trees are covered in snow. The branches are holding a ton of this wet snow. And you can just – you're like deer. And that was kind of the cool part. It just illuminates yep. these animals. I see her right away. And then behind her, immediately behind her, I see antlers. And there's a nice buck behind her with, like, his nose on her butt kind of thing, clearly rutting hard. And I thought she – she was him at first. That's how, like, in profile they were. His antlers just came out behind her. And then as soon as she she saw us instantly <laughs> and then turned broadside and kind of took a couple steps. The mule deer give you a few. They're a little forgiving for a, a couple seconds. And I was like, buck, buck, buck. I was like, shoot her, buck. And, uh, well, like, we were in the game all of a sudden. Yep. After not being in the game, we were there. There were at least two deer right away. And Luke was like, get me a range as he dropped his pack and got his rifle off his shoulder and was getting ready. Was shooting, standing off freehand, right? He's like, get me a range, get me a range. And I'm like, I, it's, it's a big mule deer. It's a, it's a, you know, I haven't had a, a lot of experience mule deer hunting, but I've got you know. Four, it was the four biggest trips. one that we've yeah, seen together. Four honey. trips under my and under my belt, and I uh, it was exciting. <laughs> I also thought he was bigger than he 
than he was. I mean, he's a good deer, but like I thought, like when I looked through at my scope, so that was the other thing. I was like, we're not exactly like it's hard because yeah, ideally you have your your scope cover off, but it's wet snow, so I had to have my scope cover on, or my scope was going to just fill up. So I'm trying to get the scope cover off. You're pulling a range. I throw up, and he's facing right at me. The doe bolts off going up the ridge, and he's like yeah, – She takes one look and is like, yeah. see you nerds later. And this guy's like, you know, he's just he's du- like, dumb and rutting. Are you another get, doe? Yeah, I'm like, what, what's that over there? And he's looking at me dead on. And I thought for a second to take a full frontal shot on him, but then he turned, and then it was just like all I could think was just big buck, put one in him. Yeah. And I pulled was, a range. I was like, 107. And you were like, all right, cool. And <clears throat> I shot him, rush shot offhand at 100, and I hit him back. <clears throat> but I hit him. He clearly hit him. He dropped his ass. He arched a little bit. And he kind of stood there, and Carter was like, Carter was like, shoot him again, shoot him again. So I racked another round. I dropped to a knee at this point, grabbed my pack. I was like, I'm going to get, like, more stable, make sure I do a good shot. And I pulled the trigger and click. I had a fucking light primer strike on the round. I don't know if it was the round or the rifle. It better not be the rifle. Um, At this point, he had dropped to the ground, and I was like, pressure's off. We're good. I have my phone out, and I'm videoing. Because I'm like, I'm going to get this on video. This is cool. Because this happened in the span of... Seconds. I don't know, probably less than ten seconds. Yeah. It was insane. It was really fast. And then I get, I have your click on video, and I was like, yeah. "Oh no!" And then I was like, "We're gonna lose this deer." This is, I, I go back to my old self, and I'm like, ah, "God!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that was immediately behind them. It's very clearly terrain that you do not want to be in. It drops off immediately after this little shelf. Yeah, and it's super thick. It's all super butt thick. brush and the oak brush. and like it's, You don't want to track a deer in that. It's going to be... I mean, the snow would make it easier, but it's going to be difficult. Um, snow and tracks. It's actually the best tracking conditions, honestly. Except the, tr- the snow is falling so quickly that you could lose it if you don't get on it quick. And, and it wasn't a lethal... I mean, it was a lethal shot long-term, but I knew it was a bad hit. Because I rushed it. And I knew I did... <laughs> And I don't know that I necessarily regret it. I probably had another three seconds to take and just calm down. But I was, dude, I was just so sure that that buck was going to run. It was like all I could think in my head was just like get one in him, get one in him, get one in him. And then, we'll, you know, it's close enough that shoot him once and we'll shoot him again. And that's probably a controversial way to look at it. You know, a lot of guys always talk about everything has to be perfect. But, like, in the reality of the situation, if you're jump shooting animals in thick terrain, like – it's not always going to be perfect. Um, I am going to practice more. You know, I'll, I'll go more into the whole off-season stuff, lessons learned from this, but I'm going to shoot more offhand um, at further ranges for sure. Offhand at 100, I was like, I would have never been like, oh, that's a practical application now very clearly. Yeah. Because we were practicing, what, 300, yeah. 400, 500. Yeah, I would have been more comfortable. For, for this hunt specifically. I would have been more comfortable Who would have thought? off the bipod in the prone at a 500-yard yeah. shot than I felt about that 100-yard offhand shot. But at that shot, you have a lot of time. Yeah. Theoretically. Well, and that was – so then I started to, so like, <laughs> shoot, bad hit. No, it was a bad hit. But he's still there. Go to shoot again. Click. And also, like, I could not get stable because, like, the one thing about Kafaru packs are the frames are not really built to be, like, a shelf. Like, they're not – it's not that hard structure frame. So, you know, there's other packs that you can set in that pack will just, like, sit up. Kafaru's not great for that. And also, in hindsight, I had my fucking tripod. I probably had the time to go ahead and just pull it out and at least set up on it. 
but you know you're just in the moment and you're just trying to just get it there it's like i'm just at this point like i had just the first shot i felt pretty calm on but this one i started to get the adrenaline and i was like i even like said on the video i'm like dude i cannot get stable i'm shaking like a motherfucker finally stable out a little bit go to shoot again and then click i'm like what the fuck and i go to rack another round well my dumb ass i only had two rounds in the fucking rifle because <laughs> i had three and then i had cleared it and put the that round in my uh vinyl harness and then that day when we went to hunt, I just racked, chambered around, so I only had two. So now I have to reload. So luckily I had the rounds in my bino harness, and they were right there, which was the lesson learned from previous hunts. That, and so like, I'm reloading, and this buck's like sitting here. So now like I'm just getting more and more amped, and then I can feel Carter's like, he's like, let's go. And this buck is just sitting there, and like he's kind of fucked up. You know, like, and I drop my pack. I get my rifle in my hands. Yeah, I'm like, do you want to? In hindsight, shit? I should have just taken your rifle. Well, um, didn't you take a bit of a tumble the day before with your with your rifle in your yeah, hand? I did. Yes. So like, that almost makes me wonder <laughs> if, it, first. if it is something with the rifle. Well, it it, it was because when we were when I shot that doe in Virginia, we went to the range at Peach Bottom and uh, my scope oh, was a little right. off. Yeah. Now, it, it was a it was a little off, but. That hit was awesome because I rushed the shot and I got to body and pulled the trigger and I knew I did. Like it was literally like, you know, when you're like kind of think you think you can see it all happening, but then you're you're pulling the trigger and it's almost like you're not pulling the trigger. Yeah, it was like this isn't the right spot. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like not not ideal, right? And that's but you know that's that's how it goes in those moments sometimes. And guys that tell you that you know they they have a closed loop the entire time are. They're either really, really experienced or they're full of shit. Because um, when you're in those snap situations, you can get pretty, pretty western. Well, <clears throat> anyways, get the rifle reloaded, go to shoot him again, and Carter's like, "You missed," and I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and now he turns and he's only got his ass to us, and I rack another round, and Carter's like, "Just put one in his ass." So, you know, and that's something that like it kind of goes against as a hunter, like you don't really want to take that, that kind of shot. But, you know, we we're talking to the guy, Ryan, and he was like, yeah, I mean, and this is kind of the right mentality is like, once you have a round in them, like now you just got to make sure you put them down. Yep. Like as quickly as, as possible. quickly as possible. Don't lose this animal because, you know, for a lot of reasons, but you know, so I shot him right in the ass. Now he dropped. We we're like, okay, he's down. We, his head came up. And we were standing there, and I was like, well, I didn't want to get up on him. Like, he was clearly, you know, wounded. Those shots, the two shots that I we thought were in him, I was like, I, I, I don't want to – like, we weren't in a good position for an approach because we he was on the higher ground, and so we couldn't see him, and, and the snow was, was so tall. high and the grass was tall. Like, I didn't want to get up on him and risk, one, him standing up, two, him actually, like, standing up and, like, turning on us. Like, it's a fucking – big mule deer buck like they yeah. can be dangerous and i was like let's just we'll be patient we'll just sit here and we sat there for about like 15 minutes and he Dude, would like the crazy thing while we were sitting there but just now remembering we saw three other deer mm -hmm. four other deer yes we there, saw, there was we another saw buck that was probably bigger a big buck behind that came up a couple minutes behind him he poked his head in the clearing just fucking chocolate antlers dude just like i was like holy shit and he and then disappeared back into the shadows. And then we another doe came screaming by us at like 10 yards mm -hmm. with a little spike behind her chasing her. 
It was crazy. It was. While this thing's over here. Dying. Finishing it. <laughs> it was weird. And so now I'm sitting there. We can only really see a skull cap whenever he'd raise his head. And, like, he would, like, raise his head and then he would drop. And it would look like he was doing that, like, death shutter. But then all of a sudden his head would come back up. And you're like, fuck. And so finally I could only see the skull cap. Obviously I didn't want to shoot him in the head. And so I didn't even give you any warning. I was just like, fuck it. And I threw the rifle up. I aimed below his head into the grass and snow because it was high grass. So, I, you know, the bullet would go through. And then I would just aim, hit him in the neck. I shot, his head dropped. I was like, fuck, we're done. Okay. And Carter was like, let's give it another couple seconds. I was like, all right, rack another round. We're sitting there, we're sitting there, we're sitting there, we're sitting there. And, like, you can see his horns, and he looks completely still. Yeah. For a long – I think we did everything right, honestly. And then all of a sudden, that head comes back up. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I must have missed his neck. He was getting frustrated, if you can believe it. Dude, I, I've never <laughs> seen I've never seen anything like this other than there was a, a doe on our farm in Virginia that Perry and his buddy were hunting and they had they shot it a lot of times because it was a similar situation where it's just like I mean one it's the will of these critters to live two it's like sometimes you can put rounds that seem like they're, they're in the right place and you're just missing the, the the right spots or whatever but yeah so I I was like fuck it I was like give me your I took your thirty out six because I had a six five Creedmoor which we'll get into in a second. And I walked up with a thirty out six and shot him point blank in the neck, and that put a hole in him and had some trauma. So that that ended it, um, and that was rough. I mean, that that's not how you want that to go. Um, on one hand, it's a you know we got an animal on the ground, you know, and, and all in all, you know, the whole process was probably I don't know twenty twenty five minutes, which in the moment seemed like ten hours, but in the big scheme of how animals die in the wild, that's still a relatively quick death for an animal but you still don't want it to suffer you know when you're out there hunting you want to make a good shot you want to put it down as quickly as possible you want to you know do things but shit happens <clears throat> and that's something we're always going to be really honest about and i always will be as well as like i'll talk to you guys about the shit that goes right the shit that goes wrong and the lessons learned in between because it's important you know so what was going on what's crazy is we ended up so i we got it back to camp whatever 835 to 842 that was the whole process. That was it. Oh my god! It gosh. seems like forever, doesn't it? It seemed like it was that we were there for two hours. Yeah. So it's still a relatively fast yeah. saga sojourn. So, yeah, we. I just checked my camera yeah. roll for timestamps. That's crazy. A lot happened went in that short amount of time. Yeah. A lot went through my mind. Same. Because you're trying to, you're trying to help whoever the shooter is, right? And we talk about this all the time. When you were a huge help, because, like, at one point, I was so fucking flustered, and you were like, you're fine. Like, you know, after the squib round, I was, like, fucking... And then I was reloading. Yeah, I I'm trying he was to reload. Throw his rifle off the side of the mountain. <laughs> I was fucking losing my goddamn mind. At one point, I, I was like, I was like, just spear. At one point, I was like, I'm gonna go slit this thing's throat. Like, but then I was like, that's a big fucking mule deer buck. His antlers were big. He could have. This isn't a doe that I can put my. Head. Well, yeah. and it's that's a hard situation too because Ryan and I got put in that situation earlier while we were guiding. Mm -hmm. We had one of our clients put um, put around pretty much right in the bull's spine. And it was still alive when we got down there, like, three hours later. Mm -hmm. And it was some nasty, thick shit. So when it fell, its antlers got pinned underneath a log. And we were able to go up, grab the antlers, and cut its throat. 
And that thing took 20 minutes for us for it to die in our hands. Jeez. And that was like one of the hardest things that I think I've ever done in the woods. It was yeah. just like yeah. having to sit there and basically like we did, both of us were just holding the antlers to that log just so that we didn't get fucked up in some way in all of this. But like you just want it to die quickly and that thing took a long time for it to bleed we out. Live, man. Like, tough fucking animals. And we, I mean, we had that thing cut clean through to the spine yeah. on the throat and it still took some time. So that was like hard to do. Like, yep. Yep. I'd rather put more rounds in it, but in Colorado, because of the way the law works, you can't, you can't shoot it after dark. Mm-hmm. So when we came up on that bull that night, mm. it's 9.30 at night. Yep. And there's no way we can put another round in it. Mm. Yeah, it's a silly. Like, I understand why that law is there, but it, it's kind of yeah. a, there's a second, third order effect of that law that's silly. Like, yeah. you should be able to dispatch wounded animals. Now, obviously, guys are going to abuse that take and advantage. take advantage or whatever, but it's just, it's one of those things that, I guess, six on one hand, half a dozen on the other. But yeah, it, it shit like that does. I mean, and it's happened to me in the past. It's happened to me with Perry and Evan, and they've had experiences with when the White Tail Woods. Like, it doesn't. Like, you want it to be clean and fast, but it's not how it always works out. And you need to know that going into what you're doing because it's a reality of the situation. And guys, that if, you, if you've been hunting for a few years and you've never had that happen, that's awesome. It will. But don't get cocky, it will. Yeah. You know, like, you can't, like, shit just happens. Sometimes it's mistakes that you make, and sometimes things are just outside of your control. Um, so, you know, a deflection on a on a tree branch you didn't see or a piece of sage or you know, you bump your rifle scope and don't realize it. Like, you know, things happen. Um, so just know that it, it's probably coming and understand that it's part of it. And the way that is really, I used to get really sick to my stomach and like when I quit hunting, if I lost an animal or if one got wounded or something. But, you know, one, it's going to happen when you accept the fact that you're a hunter and you're going to kill animals. Like, you're going to lose animals. And it's not that you should take it any more lightly, but it's a reality of the situation. And other animals lose animals. Yeah. Other animals wound animals, and like they're hunters, and that's just part of the 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 nature, literally, of what we're doing. And then you know, as a hunter, when you do kill, and even if it takes three hours, if it, if it's, you know it's a bad shot and it's got to sit for a night, that's still a better death than what a lot of these animals are going to get when they're eaten alive from the ass end first, from coyotes <laughs> or wolves, or they're freezing to death or starving to death. Or they're getting, you know, stabbed. The bucks are running themselves in the ground, and they're emaciated. Like or suck dry <laughs> from, you know, bot flies yeah, or, or yeah. ticks or you know some of those it, moose it, up in Maine. Or if you ever feel, if you need a little perspective. Yep. Nature, nature is metal, on Instagram for sure. Go watch yep. some of that shit, and you're like, weird. It's almost like we're providing a service. Like nature yeah. is insane. It's dude. it's crazy, you know. Damn nature, you scary. Yeah, no kidding, dude. <laughs> but so. Get the the buck down, and you know, which was good. Uh, get the guts out of him. We drag him down the mountain, which was kind of nice. That's way nice. Because we had a two track, and we just drug him straight down. Gravity did most of the work. Good wet snow. Like um, we were still getting a little warm because we're still dragging a. I don't know. He probably weighed at least two fifty on the hoof. He was a big buck. I mean, he was huge. He wasn't, which is crazy because he wasn't that mature of a buck, but he was rutted as shit. His neck was all swole. Like, I mean, he was probably a three and a half year old buck, but we're dragging him, dragging him down the mountain, get to the truck, get him loaded. 
and then we go to drive out. Then <laughs> we're at the bottom, and, and it's we got to drive a lot since we've. And mind you, the ground still hasn't frozen, and we're doing pretty good. <clears throat> I, tr- I knew I couldn't relax till we were back at camp. Oh, dude, your anxiety was contagious. But in your defense, even if you're not scared of heights, it was slick as shit. You should be. <laughs> and if you're if you go off the wrong side of the road, you're tumbling. It's gonna be a bad day. Like you're either gonna flip and get stuck into some trees, you're gonna go all the way to the bottom and probably die. <laughs> Dude, at one I was point, gonna say if you go off that road, you're not gonna survive. We were driving up, right, and the mountains on your left, on your driver's side for your listeners. At one point, Luke's like, Do you wanna get in the rear seat behind me on the driver's <laughs> side? And I was like, I was actually just thinking about that. Because the 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 precipice is immediately like four feet away from me. <laughs> on my on the passenger side window, I almost got in the back and got on the other side of the truck. Yeah, it got western, so we got stuck at one point. Stuck, stuck, slid off. There's this one turn. It's real steep, and then it right into the as it gets steep, it turns to the left. And every time we were trying to come up and out of that, my ass end because it's a truck would slide into the ditch the water ditch and the water ditch the drainage ditch and then sink into the snow and the only way i could get us out and i fucked up the side of my truck doing this because i did it what three times or at least twice i'd have to put it in reverse at four low and ride all the way down 100 yards back 100 yards to the bottom (laughs) so i can get out of the ditch because the ditch was so thick and the snow was so wet and muddy and then i would have to shoot back up (laughs) and i was being pretty conservative because you know on one side it's this ditch in the mountain that's scraping the side of my truck on the other side it's sheer vert with not a lot of trees so if i overshoot it and we fishtail going around and i lose the tire on that end like we could be in a really bad spot but then i finally just had enough of it and i was like carter fucking hold on (laughs) and we i hit it fucking hard and i start carving so for those that have never been in snow or uh mud if you take your front tires and you rock them back and forth and you carve, you can get traction and kind of climb. Um, and so that's what we ended up doing. And we definitely fishtailed around, shot out of there like a bat out of hell, but we got through it. Thank God you had that deer in the bed to give you a little that bit extra, of weight. Extra weight. <laughs> Should have left the guts in them. Yeah, no joke. That's a, that's a whole other point is like Colorado can get real sketch any time of the year because snowstorms happen, but especially that time is like – I am definitely going to upgrade my self-recovery kit. So this summer I'm going to install a winch on my truck. I'm going to have a couple come-alongs and pulleys because with a couple pulleys and a winch, you can change your angles. Like if you roll it, you can flip it back over. That was something I needed when I rolled my Tacoma. Definitely chains for the Chain, tires. Chains are necessary. That's something that yep. all four tires. Especially, especially me going on the road yep. over the next few months. Like yep. I have to have chains in my truck yep. at all times. Um, definitely and then i'm gonna have you know probably if we go back up for that kind of hunt i need to have you know 300 pounds of sand in the bed of the pickup just for weight over the rear axle so i have a heavier truck all the coolers constantly in the truck full of ice yeah just don't take them out of the truck yeah multi-purpose so but the sand's good too because then if you get stuck in the snow you can and then shovels and like just you know, a whole toolkit. Like you just, you, I need to have that. I've got some tools in my truck. I've got a shovel. I've got a, an axe. I've got, you know, toe straps. But I definitely don't have 
And having a winch would have been nice because if we gotten stuck on the front end, I could have just winched to that tree and pulled us right out and then not had to get Western shooting up the top. So, But anyways, <clears throat> we get back to camp, start getting the hide off this thing. We're the heroes. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'll pull that thing straight up to the skin and pull, man. Everybody's – because there's other guys in camp from the Midwest, Wisconsin and Minnesota, I think. And sure enough, like, flies to shit, man. They just – Everybody it's, came it's out. Like a, it's like a, a bell goes off and people start – Pouring out of the flocking cabins. Flocking out of their cabins. Everybody knows. We were talking about that because, like, a lot of these guys, because of the snow, weren't hunting that morning. And we bad. were even, like, ordering to walk it up. We're like, man, like, this might be – we might just be going for a walk because we can't see a goddamn thing. But I'm just, you can't kill them in camp. I mean, I almost killed one in camp the day before. But you really <laughs> you can't after. kill them from the cabin, right? Like, you can't kill them from the cabin. So getting out there and just hunting, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, it was funny. After we came back, everybody seemed to kind of be revitalized, and everybody in camp wanted to get back out and go hunting that, that afternoon, which was cool. So, But I started getting the hide off of it, and it was wild. <laughs> so 6-5 Creedmoor is a pretty controversial round. Um, I have – I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to a lot of things. I think that – Rifles and calibers and, you know, bow setups and all these things that everybody gets super cultish on. There's nothing more than tools in a toolbox and different tools for different applications, right? Like you've got a frame and hammer, you've got a roof and hammer, and you got a general hanging pictures on the wall hammer, right? Like the same tool can have different applications based on, you know, this what it is. And I think the 6.5 Creedmoor is no different. And when I went to the 6.5, I wanted a round that was flat shooting, um, that I could reach out at a little better distance, that I could really hone some long-distance shooting. And Evan had gotten one, really liked his. I'd shot his a couple times, and that's really why I decided to go with the Creedmoor. Because with the ELDX rounds, you can run 143-grain bullet, which I was shooting a 30 out 6 at 150 grain, so I'm not losing that much. And then at tighter distances, you're not even losing a lot of the velocity in that uh, you know the kinetic energy that we're talking recoil, about, which was way cool. Zero recoil. I mean, I can shoot that thing. I mean, I'm subbing my way at 200 yeah. with that rifle. Um, so it's it's a really good shooting rifle. But the round definitely has limitations. And Evan and I have been talking prior to this about how you know we didn't love how small the exit holes on some of these animals we've shot with it are because it's the round just doesn't expand that much. Um, and I was called Lyle at one point about that rifle. And he's, it, Lyle's, for those that don't know, he runs tracking dogs down in Alabama and Georgia. And so that dude knows more about, you know, gunshots and arrow shots and, and sight hits. I mean, he's tracked hundreds and hundreds of, of good and bad hit animals. And he said he loves the Creedmoor past 200 and under 200. He doesn't see the expansion. And that's exactly what I saw shooting that mule deer. So when Carter thought I missed, I hit it high shoulder, and it punched through like a fucking pencil. It just zipped right through. The exit and the entrance did nothing. Because I saw it blow up on the tree. Yep. And I was like, I don't think you hit it. High. <laughs> yeah. It didn't, there was no, like the exit hole looked exactly like the entrance hole. And then the the ass expanded, so when I hit it in the ass, but I mean that's going through a lot more meat. Um, the next shot what I thought I missed into the dirt, I shot him clean in the neck at the base, like right where the shoulders meet the neck. I hit him perfectly center, and that shit didn't kill him. And same deal, the hide, it was just a punch hole. And 
the exit wasn't very big and it clearly stunned him. So that's, you know, thinking back of what happened because when I hit him, he fell and he looked dead. Yeah. But then he came back too and he, he lifted his head back up. And, and that, dude, he was a dead deer after the first shot. When I looked at him again, it was just going to take more and more time. But yeah, the, so those six, five rounds just zipped through at 100 yards. Like, no damage other than the, when I shot him through the ass because it had a lot more meat to expand through. And that was that was a little disconcerting. Um, that really had me rethinking, like, the uses for that gun. Granted, on that hunt, I thought I was going to be, you know, shooting at more distance. Um, but for an all-around, like, uh, that kind of hunt, I will not take that rifle again. I'm going to take something that is, one, I'll, I'll probably bring a Magnum and um, – something that I can still take a, take a poke out with some distance and then also has the kinetic energy and the expansion at a shorter shot to really do some damage because I just wasn't a fan. But then I shot a, I shot a doe in Virginia at almost 400 and good expansion. Yeah. You know, like the exit was, was solid. Thought I made a bad hit. I hit her a little bit off of where I was planning to. That was – found out the scope was off. Um a couple inches, which accounted for that, but it was still a lethal hit, and, and we found her um, piled up. I jumped her out of a bed once, but then when she ran again, she she piled up and died. And so, like, effective out at that you know distance, and I'm very comfortable shooting out to 500 with it. And yep. so it's like there's just pros and cons. Like my 30 out six, I am not comfortable shooting out to um, 500 with, but that. Right, that round will just do a damn damn on anything under three hundred. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm I'm not gonna sell the, the Creedmoor, but I'm definitely gonna be very selective. That's probably gonna be my antelope gun from here on out. Smaller critter, dainty shots that are gonna be two to four hundred terrain where you can see where they run. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Antelope don't have much of a will to live either. No, they die pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, they do. They're pretty dainty. They get hit, and then ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome, though. It was f- amazing. It was so cool. It was an experience. Yeah. It was an experience. It was. Definitely a lot of lessons learned, but ton of meat in the freezer. You're going to have a cool cool Euro. I'm leveling up quick on my mule deer. I killed that you fourth you gave. Now I've got a good, like, decent representation of the, the species you looked at. It, it was a mule deer, right? Yeah. It went... The antlers went out. That's what I wanted, and then up. Parallel with the ground, and then up. Good like a football post. Yeah, good square. Like, That's a mule, deer. mule deer. My mule deer looks like a whitetail. Yeah, they like curve of, around. Yeah. I want the. Yeah, that's I what the, that, I want. The angles, the ninety degree. That's angles. what I wanted. That's what I told everybody on the front end. I was like, I don't, I don't care how big it is. I was like, I just want it to look like a good mule deer, and that's that's what it is. So it was perfect for me, and. What a great way to end the trip, too. It was. And that's what John was even like. He was like, dude, like, I don't even care that we didn't get an elk. Like, yeah. now this was a success. Like, yeah. we got an animal on the ground. Yeah. It, like, changed the entire mood of camp. Good. Definitely for our group, but for, you know, all of, you know, the rest of camp, you know? So, it was cool. We should have stuck it out one more day. We should have. Because they were in Ryan, camp the next day. <laughs> Ryan was texting me all these pictures of all the bulls and, like, cows and shit getting shot. And it was in, like, like, really doable spots? Oh, dude. I hit a bull at the bottom of the glass and pad. Yep. Right where I was trying to manifest one? Yep. Yep. Perfect. It just came a day late, an hour, hour short. Yep. Well, that's something John and I were talking about. Like, I will always now, if it's going to be a hunt that I'm investing, like, real time, 
money, effort, especially at like a and with an outfitter, even if it's just a drop camp. I will be there one to two days early, and I'll be staying at least a day late. Because the problem is, if you don't have a day on the back end, you're basically killing yourself on that last day, anyways. Because if you shoot one, you're not going to be able to get it out. So you have to be leaving. Which is why we had to leave a day early. Yeah. So you have to have that buffer. You have to be leaving. You know, a good 36 hours after the shooting light on the last day, to give you the chance to be able to pack it out, process it, get squared away, or even quarter it to get it to the processor. So, I learned a lot on this one. I learned that I'm not going to do a late season hunt ever again. That's for sure. <laughs> but even year. if I do end up somehow getting shenaniganed into one, at least I'd be better prepared for it. Because like, there's some things that like, I don't know. It's kind of the whole mentality of like, if you can just tough it out long enough, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But there's some days of discomfort for sure. Um, oh yeah, some I learned a going ton forward about layering. Layering is going to be a big deal going forward. Like Luke said, my truck kit's going to be a little better yeah. suited for like that kind of a hunt. Um, my own personal kit, I kind of learned a little bit about like what gear I liked that I had that was working pretty well, and some stuff that I want to replace a little bit. I don't know. I, that was a that was a good hunt, honestly. From that aspect of like, okay, we got we got shit on with snow for four straight days. Yep. So, like, if you're going to learn some extremes about what your your kit can do, that was that was a good hunt for it. Good practical application. It yep. was a great one with the fact that we were not sleeping out on a spike camp. So, it gave yeah. us a significant amount of maneuver room, right? We were able to go back, dry out. It wasn't like you're stuck in your wet clothes for a week. But yeah. No, it, it, I think it would have been completely different if we were in a spike kind of camp situation where we were kind of left out to the will to the woods you yeah know? we would have had to be and i knew that like there's a couple things that i wouldn't have done if we'd been doing that because it is forgiving when you're like oh i can go take my socks out by the heater or my pants and get everything dry tonight dry my boots out like or just pack in like we knew we were going to be staying at a camp where like our, our trucks were at right yeah we knew we were going to be able to have access to all of the extra gear so like we had an extra set of dry clothes for basically every single day. And if we didn't, like, we had an ability to dry it out relatively easy. We had several sets of boots for some of us to be able to, like, have a, have a dry boots, dry socks. Like, if we were doing the true backcountry thing, like, we're having to minimalize everything. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely – I would recommend for those that are new to – hunting in the backcountry or hunting off their backs is to do a drop camp potentially spike out from there but have a camp not necessarily a drop camp from an outfitter but just have your own like truck camp where you're pulling in you're able to bring the kitchen sink you can have some amenities and then you can spike from there if necessary but have a base camp to where you're not having to carry everything on your back yeah because with a lack of experience it's going to give you a lot more of a a lot more options and a lot more forgiveness. Um, I've done a lot of the backcountry stuff, hunting solely off my back, not in fourth rifle, which that was a game changer. I'm really yeah. glad we didn't spike. Same. We had talked about it, and John and I talked about this at length. Like, there's no real risk for like, like I'm not concerned because I'll just walk out. You know, it's like just a walk to daylight. Like, it's gonna suck. It's gonna be absolutely dog shit. But, like, I'm not gonna freeze to death. Yeah. Because I'll just nav my way back and walk 
five, six, seven, eight, ten miles if I have to to get back to where I need to get and just continue to walk. And as long as I don't roll an ankle or get injured, it'll be fine. But it's still a situation you don't want to be in. Yeah. No, absolutely. There's a point where I was like completely soaked through my pants, my like long johns, everything was soaked. And I was like, okay, I can at least walk out and get to like a cabin. This isn't ideal, but like that that day that I was out there when John had to go back, like it was always that mentality of like, okay, well, there's at least a, a warm fire and some ice cold beer waiting for me down at the bottom of the hill. Yep. Like all I gotta do is just walk there. Yep. But if we were in some sort of a scenario where we were going back to a tent with Yeah, and I wouldn't have been so willing to just sit out there and suffer like that. That's for sure. But it was a hell of a hunt, hell of a week. Yeah. Good Thanksgiving. Yeah. We had a little bit of success, a lot of lessons learned, a lot of mistakes. But, I mean, I learned a lot about hunting elk and especially in fourth rifle. I feel like the behavior was totally different than what you see in other seasons. And We got some cool footage of them fighting and stuff like that. It was just cool to just see them, you know, and just see them out there and – large groups yep so that was it was definitely worthwhile and the vista was epic and it was a good time and we're just continuing to learn and grow our experience base and hopefully we just make less fewer and fewer mistakes as we go forward i doubt we will seems like we make the same amount of mistakes they're just different mistakes (laughs) but yeah we'll go ahead and wrap this one up man you got any closing thoughts not necessarily just Stay dry. Hell yeah. Carter had to jump off to go wrangle the kids. But uh, we appreciate the hell out of all you guys. Um, when this one drops, if you guys go place some orders, you should get them by Christmas. Just use UPS and not USPS because USPS sucks. Uh, but if you place an order uh, in the next couple days and place it and choose UPS as your shipping, it it'll, it'll, should arrive prior to Christmas for those last-minute gifts. And we have a drop that's coming out if this launches on Thursday, new drops coming out on Saturday. It's going to be a couple tumblers, a couple shaker bottles, some new flags, kind of a smaller drop. But we wanted to throw out a few things uh, that folks might be interested in for stocking stuffers or last-minute gifts. So, it's as December always, December 16th is that drop. Perfect. Yeah, so the 15th or 16th. So, uh, I got to see. I got to wait on a couple product photos. But, yeah, we'll get that launched. So, check your email, check your SMS and social media and all that. But, yeah, this should be live uh and buy some stuff because we appreciate the hell out of you guys as always.